Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Hewn from the finest English oak, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast with a heart of gold. It often takes him two hours to watch 60 minutes. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. This is, uh, as Drew McMillan, my Canadian nephew, told you, this is Doug Jones, your Medicare expert. And everybody else is Medicare expert, too. Let's uh, let's not be uh, greedy about it, shall we? Anyway, thank you very much for joining us. We are so happy to have you along for the ride. And it is um, this is November 1st. Randy chastised me a long time ago. Don't tell people the date. They'll know how screwed up we are when you know it's three weeks later and our, our uh, episode finally gets published. But um, I'm celebrating on November 1st uh, the uh, nuptials, the uh, probably second wedding anniversary of our neighbors across the street. I don't know if they listen or not, but they're both clients. Um, my grandmother was born on November 1st, and there was, there's a whole funny story about the date because she lied to everybody about the actual date she was born. I didn't find out until I was probably in my 40s that she was born in 1898. The family, the big lie was that she was born in 1900 because her husband was born in 1900, and she didn't want to be perceived as being older than her husband. And so, but the family was all told, uh, just, you know, just between us, she was born in 1899. She just lied about one year. And then after her husband died and she needed a uh, passport, her brother uh, signed an affidavit indicating, uh, you know, so she could get a passport indicating that she was born in 1898. So she lied to everybody. Uh, that was Dickie Bean, named after the family racehorse that died the night she was born, which turns out to have been 1898. Who knew? And my daughter, my lovely Melissa Coletto, uh, who lives in Orange County, California, was born on this day uh, 50, 50 years ago. And then, of course, uh, her son, uh, they had two young men. Uh, they have two young men, she and her husband. One son was born on Melissa's birthday, and one son was born on her husband Tony's birthday. So I was afraid that I'd have to do a whole lot of memorizing as uh, children came along. But uh, it was uh, it's very easy to remember the dates of birth in that family. They all sort of coincide. So anyway, that is my November 1st thought for today, and I will then ask Randy if he wants to join the fray. Do you want to join the fray, Randy? Sure. All righty. I, really a... I would never miss this, Doug. 
it's not really a fray. Randy knows it's very calm. And in fact, I would be half asleep right now if he didn't talk, chat me up every, every episode that we record is preceded with a half an hour of random thoughts. And uh, today we were talking about uh, recipes for uh, food that we like very much. Like uh, Stouffer's used to make noodles Romanoff, frozen noodles Romanoff. And I used to love that stuff. And they just stopped making it one day. Bang. It was all gone from the stores. You can't find a recipe from Stouffer's to save your soul. And so uh, probably too many chemicals in it, I would guess. And so uh, there are websites devoted to people struggling to try to match the end product, Stouffer's uh, frozen noodles Romanoff. And if I could just have Stouffer's bring that product back, I swear I would never eat anything else the rest of my life. I would just eat noodles Romanoff to reward them for having done that. And uh, also Bennigan's. A lot of you may remember Bennigan's. Um, they were like singles bars. And I had um, uh, a love affair with their uh, French onion soup. It was perfect French onion soup, and it was perfect in every Bennigan's all the way across the country that I ever went to. And Randy had some things that he liked, uh, vodka sauce. Never heard of vodka yeah. sauce. Yes, yes. Those of you folks on the podcast from the East Coast will know the term vodka sauce. Well, for many, many years, given the fact that I was born on a ranch in western Nebraska, there was no vodka sauce to be had. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know anything about it. Ironic so, that it's well, made out of potatoes, and you weren't too far from potato country, were you? Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's true. And the the funny thing about it is, is that vodka sauce does have vodka in it, but as the sauce is cooking, obviously the alcohol all boils off and leaves the essence of the vodka behind with a number of other things. But I, to this day, am infatuated with vodka sauce. So anytime I'm in an Italian restaurant, it, it doesn't work so well doesn't work at all as a matter of fact if i'm in a chain joint but if i'm in a you know a little mom and pop restaurant which is where i really like to spend most of my time i'll ask them if they could possibly do vodka sauce and if they will agree to do that i'll wait as long as it takes and then i will be back well there you go that's loyalty can pay off but you know, in the in the big food, I guess we should call it like big pharma or, you know, big insurance or whatever. But uh, in the Stouffer's rarefied air, the atmosphere that they operate in, uh, having dug by a lot of uh, noodles Romanoff just wasn't enough to induce them to bring that product back. Yeah, they're looking at they're looking at the sales figures and they're going, well, there's there's one guy. Yeah, we've got him pinpointed one. to Arizona. What the heck? <laughs> there's a guy by the name of Doug Jones. And we don't know who the fella is, but he's been buying vodka or no noodles Romanoff by the truckload for i don't know several years but we just can't afford to continue producing it he seems to we've done some research on this guy he seems to own a giant freezer <laughs> <laughs> he's, oh boy he's, he's got no doug you know like most people have you know like wine cellars <laughs> doug had at the time i don't know whether he still does but at the at the time he had a noodles Romanoff seller, and they they were actually scheduled out by production date and the ambiance that they would have. And well, okay, I do like I love their noodles Romanoff, which is no more. I also like their macaroni and cheese, their frozen macaroni and cheese. Stouffer's puts out a fantastic macaroni and cheese 
uh, dish, and then spinach souffle. So if I want some good eating and I want to stuff myself, it's going to be Stouffer's macaroni and cheese and Stouffer's spinach souffle. Uh, I can't even finish all of that. I eat some bread and butter with it to help everything slide down. And uh, that's uh, that's a good eating as far as I'm concerned. I you know I read a good I read a good hint, just awesome hint. I'm glad I saw it on on a social media site the other day. And it was like one of those little posters you see occasionally. And it, it was like the top part was, uh, you know, if you cook your kale in vat, in, in, a, in a good quantity of uh, coconut oil. All right. They, you're, lo- it, you're starting it, to lose it, me here with the kale talk. It will slide into the trash can much quicker. <laughs> okay, good. You say you, you redeemed yourself. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was starting to get a little worried about the kale talk, but I'm glad it. <laughs> I, I love that joke because I every time I, I've seen it on you know social media several times, and every time I see that, I, I post it out again because everybody, my my type of people, they they get the humor in that, and I get a lot of response <laughs> from that. Well, good for you. I, I was starting to worry, and I'm I'm glad you pulled it out there at the end. Hey, you know, I've got a stack of stuff here I thought I'd plow through, and uh, some of this is related to prior, um, prior episodes, things that maybe we left hanging or things that listeners have contributed. And so um, let me start with a very innocuous fact. Um, I got a let's see, here it is. We had some correspondence with uh, Giovanni. Regina in New Jersey, who is uh, the brother of one of our avid listeners. And um, I mentioned several times during the reading of his letter uh, that uh, he cited pages and chapter numbers in the book, in my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. I didn't even plug the book today. God, well, okay. Buy my book, ladies and gentlemen. It's called Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022. Uh, And Randy will have more on that at the end of the episode. But anyway, so Giovanni read my book, and then he asked a couple of different questions. And he um, made reference to the actual page, paragraph, and and, uh, chapter in which he was drawing uh, the material for his questions. And I kind of chuckled about that every time I read his uh, question. Uh, He would say on page 13, you said this and that. Well, I got a a letter from um, Dominic Regina, who is our longtime fan. And um, he asked a question. Let's see here. Um, He wanted the, well, (laughs) at the end of his, at the end of his uh, question, he gave me a PS, which is explanatory and explains why I found such uh, delight in his brother's uh, spe- specific uh, specificity. Uh, it turns out da- uh, Giovanni da- uh, Regina is an attorney. <laughs> and so he's used to doing research in giant legal tomes. And that's why he was uh, citing the exact location of each thing he was asking about um the reason dominic wrote was that he said i have been telling friends um about the form needed to uh, get an employer signed when you're applying for medicare after you've been employed past your 65th birthday you've been on your employer's group health insurance there's not not going to be any late penalty for enrolling in medicare uh as long as you had the employer's health insurance, and it was considered to be, uh, uh, you know, equivalent to 
what Medicare would have offered. But there's a form, L564, that is required. Uh, used to be that you had to get a signature from the employer, the HR types or whatever, and send that in to Medicare in order to prove that you were covered by a, 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 a qualifying uh, health insurance plan. And when COVID came along and all of the government employees started hiding under their beds and staying home and locking themselves in and wearing masks, uh, wearing double, triple masks, um, the uh, necessity or the requirement for a signature on the form L-564, CMS-L-564, the uh, requirement that a signature be affixed to that form by the employer or an, an employer's uh, representative uh, was lifted. Now, I don't know if it's still lifted. I have not heard that it had been reinstated, but my understanding is that you don't need to get a signature. You can get that form, download it from the Internet, fill it out yourself, and send it in with, you can even sign it yourself, <laughs> you know, what the heck. And then that will apparently suffice for a uh, attestation that you had uh, qualifying group health insurance instead of Medicare. If you're enrolling at a later time, in other words, if you're retiring uh, five years after you turn 65, you're going to need to prove that you had uh, coverage from a, uh, an equivalent health insurance plan. And that's the way you get it is have your employer sign the form, but your employer doesn't really have to sign the form. So you can get that form, fill it out yourself. When you get ready to apply for Medicare parts A and or B, you can send that in yourself with your own signature, I've been told. But the funny part to me was about uh, Giovanni Regina having been an attorney. And I recognize that somebody offering that many citations from my book was taking it way, way too seriously. Okay. Um, now we've got a buddy named Steve in Texas and Steve is Mr. Curious. I've uh, uh, read many questions from him in the past. He's an avid listener to the podcast and an avid reader of the book. And he's an avid um, client uh, he and his wife of uh, Medicare for the Lazy Man. So recently, Steve wrote me and he said, being in Arizona, do you have or do you know anybody who has gone to Mexico for dental work? He said, I understand that a crown there will cost about $500 versus $1,500 in the U.S., I'm trying to figure my break-even with travel and lodging. I may not have mentioned that Steve is a very detailed kind of guy. I think he and Giovanni would probably get along very well together if they found themselves sitting at the same bar. Uh, but anyway, I said, hi, Steve. I had to ask around, but I was told about four people who regularly cross the border to get dental treatment in Mexico. Now, we're in Arizona, so the most logical place for them to cross the border would be in Nogales, Sonora. And uh, I assume that the dentists that they find are pretty close to that town. Uh, so I don't know if any of them ever needed elaborate dental treatment, but all four of them seem pleased with the cost and the results. And then I said, let me know if you or Carol ever decide to pursue that course. And the reason I was interested in this subject was because I have a lot of people who uh, are clients of Medicare for the Lazy Man, and they go on Medicare, and they get a Medicare supplement, but it's because, of course, I have uh, told them the pitfalls of Medicare Advantage plans and how they're 
probably going to be disappointed at some point in the future when they're asked for uh, <clears throat> when they're, uh, you know, hit with. Uh, the news that their doctor is leaving the network or their hospital is uh, in contract talks and may leave the network or if they're asked for a um, if they want to see a specialist and they have to go and get permission and then if they want to get treatment from a specialist and the treatment the extra cost is denied by the plan <clears throat> and I told them you know you're going to be in a medical plan where the Bean counters, the accountants are uh, actually making some of your medical choices for you rather than the doctors involved. And so stick with a Medicare supplement plan and you'll never have that sort of disappointment. You can go to any doctor, any hospital, anywhere that accepts Medicare as a payment. And so these people then say, well, what am I going to do about uh, dental insurance? Because I had it on my job. Now that I'm retiring, I want to keep my dental insurance. Well, a couple of things about that. First of all, your dental insurance, if you have it as a an employee benefit, a lot of the cost has been defrayed by the employer. So your contribution to the cost of your dental benefit while you're an employee is not really reflective of the actual cost that the insurance company has put on that dental plan. And then secondly, um, dental plans don't always treat the major work as uh, joyfully as we would like. Uh, for instance, implants. There are a lot of plans that don't cover implants at all. And I know I've got two implants and I'm bucking for a third. So uh, an implant would, uh, coverage for an implant would be very uh, interesting to me. I would like that. And also they have waiting periods for major services like crowns and so forth and so on. So it's um, <clears throat> dental insurance can be complex, can be uh, beneficial, and certainly can be the kind of thing that you want to have, but you're going to have to pay more for it than you're used to paying if you had it on the job. It's going to be more money per month than you expected. So um, a lot of people are interested in it, though, and they ask me about it. And two of the problems I have are, A, do you have some, uh, do you have a dentist that you like, a family dentist, that you don't want to change from? And uh, if the answer is yes, we've got a dentist like the guy very much, we're not going to change uh, from that dentist, if we can avoid it, well, then I have to tell them, okay, here's what you do. <clears throat> Go find what networks that dentist belongs in, because almost all dental plans rely on a network of dentists. And so you go ask your dentist or the clerk in the office what networks uh, they belong to, <clears throat> and uh, then that will tell me what insurance company products would be satisfactory to you. The other, there's another problem too with uh, dentistry. It's the cost, I guess. I've already touched on that. But I had a dentist that I didn't want to change from who didn't accept any dental insurance. He did not accept the um, uh, network, uh, you know, discounts. He didn't want to discount the cost of patients filling his chair. So basically, uh, I just never had my own dental insurance because I figured it wasn't going to pay off for this guy. And then as people started asking me about dental insurance, I discovered a plan from Manhattan Life that encourages people to go out of network. They've got a network, pretty big network, I guess, the Carrington Network. But if you go out of network, then you can still submit the dentist itemized bill to the insurance company, and they'll send you a check for their portion of the treatments. So it's... Um, 
not ideal, but it's pretty close to ideal. Now, the only thing about that plan is they don't have any coverage for implants, and there's a waiting period, like a six-month waiting period for major services. So uh, when you tell me that you want dental insurance, historically, that is what I've had to offer. And so consequently, a few people have said, oh, I'll shop around on my own, and, and I'll get something. I'll try to find something cheaper. And um, so carry on with Steve's uh, letter here. Uh, I asked Steve if Juarez... Now, he had a whole thing about going to, he said, I'm still researching this. He said, I found this, uh, uh, wait a minute, in going to Mexico, I have to calculate some overhead, like flying to El Paso, finding a place to stay. I figure $1,000 for that, although it's probably more like $700. His wife said that if he goes to Mexico, he goes alone. I'm going to call one of the dentists on the plan and maybe go in for a consult. And, uh, then I said, would Juarez be your only choice for dentistry south of the border? I thought there were other border towns much closer to you. I got the impression that the preferred dentists in Mexico were schooled in the U.S., but set up practice in Mexico because of the lower overhead. And then I said, I hope you heard Randy and I celebrating your forthright questioning of that underqualified representative. Remember he went to a meeting? Yeah, Randy and I were pretty excited. Randy's giving him another big thumbs up. And I... Uh, I was very disturbed that he did not understand that we were applauding him for his chutzpah. He said uh, he went to a seminar in a doctor's uh, office, and he wanted to know if the doctor was still going to charge the extra 15% or if he was going to get with the program and accept Medicare assignment. And uh, in that seminar, there was a lady that said um, that, oh, yeah, I know everything there is to know, and Medicare Advantage is where it's at, and that's what you ought to be buying. And and uh, Steve stood up and said, um, <clears throat> I have a question. Uh, uh, is that Medicare Part C? Is that what Medicare Advantage is, Medicare Part C? And she said, well, yes, it is. And Steve said, well, that C stands for crap. <laughs> and he said the guy got, the gal got <laughs> wide-eyed and didn't respond. <laughs> Steve, Steve, I love you, buddy. <laughs> well, I, I kind of chastised Steve. I said, didn't you understand that Randy and I were celebrating your forthright questioning of that underqualified representative? And he said, that may, it may be that that episode hasn't been published yet. And I said, oh, oh. it may not have been, but Steve, you and I are now birds of a feather. I'm telling you. So here's the deal with Steve's contribution, and it's, I think, a valuable contribution for people who are looking for a dental plan. He said, I found this site, and here's the site. It's www.dentalplans.com. Write that down, ladies and gentlemen, if you're at all interested in getting dental insurance. And Steve's a cheap guy, I can tell. I've got friends that are cheap, and Steve seems like another one of those guys that's pretty cheap. And so he said, I found a dentist nearby with good ratings on a couple of these plans, and I called to make sure this information was correct. So I made an appointment for a second opinion from this guy and to verify his rates with the plan. The place was running a Halloween special. <laughs> I wonder if all the girls in the office dress up in uh, costumes. Uh, well, that, that might be uh, better than average dental office if that's the case. Anyway, uh, they're having a 15% Halloween special, uh, you know, reduction of the rates. So I signed up for a plan. I called to verify 
that they had a 30-day refund policy. So I'm seeing this new dentist next week, and I'll see what he has to say. The prices on this plan are almost as good as going to Mexico. Crowns are costing about 750 versus 500 in Mexico versus 1500 from his current dentist. The plan comes with some vision benefits, which I haven't studied yet. Also, hearing benefits, but I got a great set of hearing aids from Costco earlier this year for $1,700, which I'm very pleased with. I'll let you know how this new dentist works out. So about hearing aids, um, I read not long ago, and I think I mentioned on the podcast, that uh, the uh, government has okayed over-the-counter hearing aids. So I believe that that's going to be the kind of thing that people start talking about, Um There's a school of thought that says you really need a specialist in order to make sure that you're getting the most out of your kind of expensive hearing aids. However, um, it may be that it'll get easier to get fitted properly uh, by uh, people who are, uh, you know, not as expensive as audiologists. Okay, well, I see by the old clock on the wall that we have uh, burned up our time. I'm sure the crickets have made themselves known, and I am just going to leave the rest of this pile for another time so randy don't forget to plug the book and don't forget to ask for reviews ratings and reviews for the podcast absolutely everybody on the podcast please you know it means so much to us and it helps all the formulas that we are uh, basically uh, gauged under if you do reviews on the book it's a good thing to review you know YouTube, we also publish our podcast on YouTube, you know, subscribe and, you know, give us the thumbs up and all the stuff they say about YouTube. But I know that Doug missed out saying some of our normal closeout information. So let me go ahead and do that. Doug, as you have noticed on the podcast, loves getting email from our clients. Uh, So you can use this email address if you have a pencil. It's dbj at mlmmailbag.com. You can check out what we do on the website at www.medicareforthelazyman.com. You can get the paperback, the 2022 version with the green numbers at Amazon. You can get an audio copy of it. You can get a Kindle copy of it. But don't forget to give us five stars. And there's a couple other things I wanted to do to close off here. I just wanted to mention that I'm very, very happy to hear that the Regina brothers are following us now, both of them. And I have to say that I I was going to guess, Giovanni, that you were probably either an engineer or an attorney. So I had a 50-50 shot, and I guessed the wrong one. I, I picked that you were an engineer. So I lost the bet with Doug, but he already knew. <laughs> So anyway, you have just spent, uh, obviously, thank you so much for joining us. You could have been a hundred different places and you weren't, you were with us listening to Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, spending a few minutes out of your day. And actually you spent 32 and a half minutes out of your day with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma, now living in the high altitudes behind Cave Creek, Arizona. I think we're going to put it in at about, oh, I don't know, 13,000 feet today in his fortress of solitude. And I think that that pretty well takes care of business today. Bye-bye, everyone.